Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. Tomorrow, Nats fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Mass and All Access podcast. We're the dynamic duo, Bobby Blanco and Paul Mancano. And joined with us today is the man behind Nats pastime on MassInSports.com. Right? I almost said Nats Insider, <laughs> yeah, but that was wrong. Yeah, that's the old one. That's the old yeah, one. The, Mark yeah. Zuckerman. Don't get that wrong. Yeah, yeah. not Zuckerberg, Zuckerman. Don't Mark Zuckerman, right, who yes. covers the Nationals. Um, and, um, you know, Mark, let's get right into it because we're kind of running, you know, there's a lot going on today. And as you said on your morning post on MassInSports.com, um, there's possible roster moves. Obviously, the draft is going on currently. Yeah. Um, and we're expecting a lot of injury updates on some guys. Um, let's first touch on Daniel Murphy, because I think that's the big name that people are really worried about, because some videos emerged on, on Twitter uh, a while back about him running. Um, what are you expecting to hear from uh, Davey Martinez later today about Daniel Murphy? I, I honestly don't know. I hope we do get uh, some kind of more definitive answer here, because I think we've reached a point where they need to decide uh, what exactly they're going to do, how they're going to proceed here. What we saw of him in Harrisburg, I'll be honest, I wasn't surprised by that. It's what I saw from him when I've seen him running before he went on the rehab assignment. He doesn't look good running. That's been known, I think, for a while now. He's hitting the ball fine. He says he's fine in the field. I know he made some errors down there, but, you know, it's Daniel Murphy. He's going to make errors whether he's healthy or not. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. How he is. Uh, I really just think they have to come to a decision here of – is this something that he can play with at a big league level and get by? It's not going to look pretty, but is it more important to have him in their lineup? And my sense is that they don't believe he can hurt himself any worse by continuing to play. So there's not really a risk going back out there. It's just a matter of is that good enough to play in a major league game when you're running like that? Or if not, then they're going to have to figure out where they go from here. Do you keep him on rehab? Do you pull him off the rehab and start looking at some other options? If they don't feel like this is good enough for him to play and they don't feel like it's just going to get better with more rehab games, then where do you go from there? Um, I'll keep pointing back to this microfracture surgery is not a common thing, especially for baseball players, that yes, Justin Turner of the Dodgers had it a couple years ago and came back and has been great. Grady Sizemore had it and was never the same again. There aren't a whole lot of other examples of this. So um, you hope that it doesn't go down that path, down the Sizemore path. But from the beginning when I heard what this was, I remember in the back of my mind thinking, this may be something he's dealing with for a long, long time and may never really go away. Mark, I'm glad you saw the severity of it right away because I know a lot of Nats fans might have overlooked it just because of the fact that he played that entire NLDS, looked like he was okay, hit a home run in game yep. five. Uh, and then all of a sudden he comes, shows up to FanFest uh, or Winterfest and he's on crutches. And some people were a little bit taken aback by it, but you understood the severity from, from pretty much the beginning of it. Yeah, uh, and when we saw him, you know, again, they announced, <laughs> they announced the, uh, the fact that he had the surgery mm -hmm. the same day they announced that Dusty Baker wasn't coming back. And it was kind of <laughs> slipped in there a few yeah. hours later and we never even got to talk to anyone right. about it. Um, and, but when we saw him at Winterfest, I thought, ooh, Okay, yeah. he's still got a long ways to go before yeah. this thing is back to normal. And look, you feel terrible for the guy. He's in his walk year um, after having a couple of great seasons. He was primed for a big contract. I don't know what's going to happen with that now. 
Um, but he's also in his 30s, and he has less career ahead of him than behind him, even if he was healthy and never went through any of this. So it, mm. it's a delicate moment in his career, uh, regardless of any of this stuff. And look, the Nats could use him. They could use a healthy and productive Daniel Murphy, especially in their lineup, what he brings to them. The question is going to be, is where he's at right now good enough or is it not? And then what do they do if it's not? They could use a few other guys, too. Uh, Adam Eaton, Ryan Zimmerman, Matt Adams, all out and all possibly could come back in the meantime. You had, uh, on your mention in your article on MassInSports.com, Eaton eligible to come back, I believe, on Friday. Friday, yeah. Uh, some of these guys could be making their way back. Do you expect some roster moves in the next few days with the three of them? Yeah, I do. Um, we're, again, we should have an update on Eaton today. He played three rehab games with Harrisburg. And he was running, and he looked perfectly fine to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a good chance we're going to see him on Friday. And then the key is, can Davey Martinez control him enough and make him take some days off to not let himself get hurt again? Because we saw how dynamic he can be when he's out there. But we also saw that if you play him too much, uh, what else can happen as a result? So I do think we're getting to the point there with him. I think Ryan Zimmerman is close to going on a rehab assignment. Maybe not quite yet, but I think they're getting to that point where they're going to make that decision on him with his mm-hmm. oblique. Matt Adams is back in the lineup tonight. That's good news. Yep. As we've seen when guys foul balls off their foot and it doesn't look like anything, and the next thing you know, they miss months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> does not appear. That's going to be the case. How many times does this team time? do that? They love <laughs> fouling balls off their it's, feet and being out for extended period of time. Yeah, it is remarkable. So he's back in the lineup tonight. So that seems to be a good thing. I think Matt Gray maybe on the verge of coming back from the DL. That's a good thing. Uh, Jeremy Hellickson probably headed to the DL. We should find that out yeah. shortly. So there are a lot of moves here coming up, I think, in the next day or two. Yeah, you mentioned Jeremy Hellickson, and that hamstring injury did not look good. Uh, anyone who watched him pull it the other day, um, you know, he came up limp, came up weak, and you got one out and then in Atlanta, and then it just he obviously could not continue going on. Um, you also mentioned in your article, you know, the Nets actually do have a couple of days off coming up, so they could have just a four-man rotation. Do you expect them to go that route or bring up somebody to keep complete the five-man rotation? Uh, yeah, now? this is another one of those questions that I think we're going to hopefully find out here soon. Uh, it is a nice little break in the schedule that they have both Monday and Thursday off the next two weeks. It's very unusual for that to be the case. So they could go all the way to June 19th, if my math is right, and it often isn't, but in this case, if it is. Well, it should be. You created Facebook. True, <laughs> true. A lot, of, so, a lot of math involved. Yeah, <laughs> and coding and stuff. Coding, yeah. yes. Uh, so they could make it for a couple of weeks and just have all their other guys pitch on a regular five-day rotation. So you could do that. At the same time, you also wonder if, given how much they've been working these guys and how their starters throw more than pretty much anybody else in the league, um, would they were they maybe hoping to give them an extra day off here or there? So maybe they go that route. Eric Fetty, we saw when he came up here, pitched really well in his season debut. I think they'd like to see more of him. Uh, Austin Vote this pitch well, and then Jeffrey Rodriguez looked great out of the bullpen the other day in the emergency relief role. Um, where does he fit in? Maybe they don't want to rush him yet to this, but I think what we saw said this stuff will play in the big leagues, no question about it. That was a really intriguing uh, outing and something that whether it happens now or down the road, you've got to believe he's going to be a part of their pitching plan. So uh, I think if they go a few different ways here with it, maybe you keep an extra reliever and have a four-man rotation, or maybe you say, hey, let's give the big guys a little downtime. It's still June. We don't have to run them into the ground yet and call someone like Fetty up and see what he can do. so what would you expect them to do? If you, what would you do? Are you trying to give these guys a rest, or do you think you'll bring up one of the young guns? I think I would probably 
try Fetty out. Um, again, we're still really early in the season. I know it doesn't feel that way, and it feels like, oh, hey, they're battling in a, a pennant race, and they just lost three out of four to Atlanta, and they got to prioritize every game. But I think by the same token, you have to think big picture. Mm-hmm. And if you have an opportunity to give Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg an extra day off now, that could pay off down the road. Is it worth it to push them to try to win a couple more games right now um, when you have a kid that you want to see anyways in Fetty right. in the minors or Jeffrey Rodriguez? You know, They do need to find out what these guys are and how close to ready they are. So I, I think I would go ahead and take the more cautious route there and, and call one of the kids up. And you also have some, I mean, the schedule's kind of favorable, like you said, a couple off days, but also playing some sub-500 teams in two games against the Rays starting today at Nats Park, and then you welcome the Giants. Um, then you also go to Toronto. I think the only teams, I'm looking at the schedule right now, the only teams above 500 they play this month are the Yankees twice and the Phillies twice, and then the rest are below 500 teams. So, yeah. you know, teams, games that you would expect the Nationals to win, even with you know, an Eric Fetty out on the mound every fifth day or so. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's that you do this selectively. And I, I haven't done the math to figure out who could pitch which day and everything. Obviously, the Yankee series next week, you want to have two of your big guys going for that. Um, but if you have an opportunity to maybe start an Eric Fetty against the Giants or uh, or against the Blue Jays, something like that, that might be worth the, taking the shot at. And the other part is we don't know how long Helixson is going to be out yet. If it's an extended time, then you need to find out if Fetty is for real because you're probably going to use him. If they really think it's going to be, say, a 10-day situation, something like that, then maybe you're not as concerned. Maybe you have a guy make one spot start or you go with the four-man rotation. Um, so I think that could play a lot into this. Mark, I also want to take a quick break from baseball talk and talk about caps because I know that's something that Bobby loves discussing. <laughs> you're somebody who's actually covered this team before and yeah. you've obviously been around this team for a long time. They got a huge win last night, and I just want to have your, your thoughts as to— What is to, hockey? What is hockey? Yeah, that's a good question. As to, I mean, baseball aside, what a win potentially uh, would do for, you know, the, the city in general. Yeah, I'd like to go into a, a detailed <laughs> breakdown of the fourth line's forechecking last night, which I thought was outstanding. Perfect. Really the difference in the game. Great, right? yeah. Um, look— It's actually a hockey podcast, so yeah. I'm glad it's <laughs> And— um, Number one, it was remarkable to see both how they play, how they're playing, and how Mm. they really do look like they're on the verge of finishing this thing off. Sorry, Bobby. I know you're going to get nervous by this. (laughs) I knock on wood. It's okay. Um, But to me, the bigger thing is, is the support they're getting inside the arena, outside the arena, throughout town, from the other teams in town. I've lived here 17 years now. I didn't grow up here. Um, I was not here for any championships, even championship appearances. Because, uh, what, 98? It was three years before I got here to town. And I always have felt like being around all these teams and fans in this town that this is a city that's just dying for somebody to win the big one. And that if and when that moment happened, it was going to change the whole dynamic around here. And I think we're seeing that right now. Um, this is what so many other cities have had a chance to experience, and this one has desperately wanted. And I understand why fans have been so nervous about it and even predicting the worst because they've been put through so much from a lot of these teams over the years. But if they do finish this thing off, 
I think it changes the, the dynamic, not just for that franchise, but for this whole city. I think there's a different image of this city from a sports perspective. I'm not saying that's going to guarantee the Nats are going to go win the World Series this year or anything like that. But you got to believe that there will be a different kind of pressure on them. Do you think it takes some pressure off? Right. I think at least some. Yes, they still have their own October demons that they're going to have to overcome. They got to get to October 1st also. But I do feel like there will be a little bit different and maybe less pressure on them to be the one for the whole city. These guys have been watching closely. They've been at any games they can go to. They've been watching every chance they get. Um, They're into this. And I think not just because they're hockey fans or because they want to see another team win, but I think they feel like it'll be good for them if this happens. It's going to help just the environment in the whole city. There's going to be a more upbeat uh, vibe, I think, a more positive tone to everything. So it's been fascinating to watch, and it's just I felt like, having been here all these years, that this was possible, the support for this, that this was possible. I knew it was in this city. It's just really cool to actually see it now happening. I totally agree with everything you just said. I mean, as a kid who grew up here and I'm a diehard DC sports fan for all teams, it would just it's the it's the one thing I've always wanted. You know, I've only seen the Capitals reach the Stanley Cup final once and they got swept and I was 6 years old. And so just for them the fact that they're here again and playing well and one one win away I just want that one win so badly. And I think everyone else is, you know, cautiously optimistic. I actually predict them to win this series. Like, I thought they could win it. Um, game one was crazy, but I For think... For those other- who can't see, he's patting himself on the back. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, and now that they're up 3-1, just please don't be that team that blows a 3-1 lead. Don't be the Warriors. <laughs> don't be the Indians. Yeah. Just that would literally be... So you don't want to get selfish here and, and hope they lose game five so that they can win game six at home? No. I, Paul and I talked this before we recorded. Yeah. Just win. <laughs> just... I do not care where you... It would be... I think it's kind of poetic justice if they win in D.C. Like, mm-hmm. that would be the place to win and this city would erupt yeah. and just be just so happy and elated. But I do, I do not care where and when they win as long as they win. <laughs> the, the other thing, and I, I thought about this last night... I was saying this to my wife as we were watching the third period. Um, if they are the ones to do it, I'll be glad, and I think it's it'll be fitting that they are the ones to do this. Same. Um, given how good they've been for a long time and have been close to this, given the fact that, yes, the Nats have had some comparable playoff misery, but it's really confined to the last six years right. as opposed to 20, 25, 30 years in the Caps case. Uh, they have been a model franchise for quite a while now yeah. and deserve to have this happen. Ovechkin deserves to have this happen. Uh, and for me, I, I'm I'm always glad when somebody other than the football team is getting the most attention in town because I think all three other teams have deserved more attention than the football team right, yeah. for quite a while now. And just because it's football and they're the ones who did win titles 25 years ago, that's what everyone still focuses on. So I'm glad to see um, that dynamic change because I've always believed that this could become a Nats town or a Caps town or a Wizards town or anything else. Um, they just need somebody to actually win. <laughs> right. I've always said, well, I've always said, I've said the past couple of years that DC is a sneaky hockey town and it's because oh, yeah. of the Alexander yeah. Ovechkin era. Yeah. Even before that, like I have uncles and aunts who grew up Caps fans and they're huge hockey fans. And I know a lot of people who are just Caps fans and just like hockey in this town. So I think, you know, when you think of hockey towns, you think of obviously like Boston, Chicago, New York, Detroit, um, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Um, even Philly to an extent, but yeah. I think DC is a sneaky hockey town. It's because yeah. of this this team and this this era 
of Alexander Ovechkin, and I think you're right that he he does deserve to win one. Everyone, even the national people, have said you know he's the one player left who deserves to win yeah. one, and everyone wants to see him win one, at yeah. least one. Yeah. You know, so um, let's. I, mean, I know you gotta get going, get down to the clubhouse, but just two more topics we need to touch on. Um, Wilson Ramos returns to Nats Park yeah. tonight um, with the Rays. Uh, you know, I think he's gonna get a, a very warm welcome from the DC fans um, here because he had you know it was obviously a horrible ending to his great career here in DC. Um, it was very sad for all parties involved, but uh, you know I expect him to get a warm welcome tonight here in Nats Park. Yeah, I agree. I think he's really probably one of the, if not the most beloved ex-players who has come back to town so far. I'm trying to think of others. Ian Desmond, Jordan Zimmerman are probably the two biggest ones mm-hmm. that have come back over the years. There was a connection between this fan base and with Wilson, and I think a lot of it has to do with, sadly, all the disappointment and uh, tragedy that he has gone through in his life, not just as a baseball player, but remember his kidnapping right. in Venezuela yeah. mm-hmm. years ago. This is a man who has been through so much and always maintains a positive attitude about it and finished his career here playing the best baseball yeah. of his life. Now, last year, it wasn't as great when he came back to the injury. This year, he's pretty much back to 2016 form. Mm-hmm. He's hitting cleanup for them tonight. <laughs> Um, and a guy who uh, potentially could be on the trade block this summer. That would be fascinating to see how that plays out as well. But, um, yeah, I hope he gets a big ovation. I think he will because uh, he meant a lot to this organization and a guy who never got to have that appropriate send-off right. because of the way that his uh, season and then his time with the Nationals yeah. ended. And you think about his send-off was when he walked out of the field during one of the playoff games. That's right, throughout the first yeah. pitch. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That, was, um, that, was bitter. that was very bittersweet. Yeah. Um, Bobby, are there any more baseball things before I want to get into a fun yeah, real yeah. quick, just uh, we mentioned earlier, the draft, the Nationals have taken, yes. f- I think, believe four pitchers out of their first five picks. Their yeah. last pick was an outfielder. Any surprise there? I mean, we kind of figured they were going to restock the system with uh, pitchers. Yeah, I think I kind of sort of knew they would go pitching route, all things being equal. And I'm not surprised either that their first two picks are pitchers who have had some kind of injury history. <laughs> uh, the first rounder, a high school kid from just outside of Vieira, Florida, actually. His was a minor thing, biceps tendonitis. He missed a few starts uh, and Chris Klein, the scouting director, said they saw him after that and he was throwing as well as he did before. They didn't view him as a concern at all, and they think they got in a high first-round pick late in the first round. They have a good track record with this, so you can't dispute the, the, the risk that they're taking there. And then the second-round pick from uh, UConn, the lefty, actually had Tommy John surgery at age 16. No. Oh. Uh, so he's already gone through it. Yeah. So they know He'll what, right in. yeah, they, they know how that goes and how to deal with that. And, um, you know, if you're going to be a successful big league team, you're going to pick late in each round of the draft and you either have to concede that you're taking lesser players or you have to take a gamble on some of them. Right. And this team has taken some gambles and for the most part they have paid off. And I think they deserve some credit for doing that. And now the one obvious that doesn't hasn't paid off quite yet. Last year's first yes. round pick, Seth Romero. Yeah. I'm I'm expecting no, but any update on the status of Seth Romero? At the last I had heard, he is still at home. Has not been allowed to come back to pitch. We don't know the exact details of what prompted uh, them to send him away from spring training. But you're talking now a full calendar year essentially that they've wasted of his development. And not to say there's not still time for that to happen, but. Um, at the moment that 
is a pick that has not worked out for them and it was not worth the risk, at least at this moment. Yeah. Somebody who, you know, got in trouble before he got picked up by the Nats. And then- right. His, his was not an injury situation. Yeah. That was a guy who was kicked yeah. off his college team. Um, you know, maturity there were thing. maturity issues, yeah. certainly. And at least at last check, those have not improved. Yeah. Uh, Mark, we want to get you out of here real quick, though. Uh, f- we always try to do fun little segments. I didn't want to do something Facebook related because I felt like that was a little bit overplayed. Yeah, it's a little tired. You yeah. know? Check out YouTube yeah. for so, that. I know you're a big fan of, uh, and you were using it last night, Toot Plan, the, yes. uh, the acronym, uh, which is hilarious. What does it stand for again? It stands for thrown out on the bases like a nincompoop, <laughs> which is a great word that's not used nearly enough in society. This is true. I'm a big fan of nincompoop and dingus. Dingus. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. So, I mean, that some blogger several years ago mm-hmm. came up with this term uh, and had a tracker online. I don't even know <laughs> if it exists anymore of all the ball players that do it. It's such a perfect description yes. of getting thrown out on the bases like a nincompoop. <laughs> when you, there was no reason to be thrown out. You just yep. cost your team. Uh, we've seen it happen for the Nats and against the Nats over the years, and uh, I always get a yeah. kick out of when it does happen. Well, like this blogger, I actually went through some trouble of coming up with some acronyms of my own. Oh, okay. Here we go. if I could run some by sure, you. Sure, sure. Hopefully, you'll be able to incorporate them in your Twitter <laughs> yes, game okay, at some point. Okay. Uh, first one is Toe-Ow with four Ws. <laughs> I think I know where this is going. <laughs> uh, actually, it's, it's tripping over each other while walking the wrong way. Oh, okay. Basically, <laughs> you're going the wrong way uh, on the bases, and, and you end up tripping over each other. Okay. Rarity, I thought this was going to be a foul ball off the toe kind of oh, thing. Oh, that would, yeah. That's yeah. what I thought so, too. Yeah. Yeah. But that's good. Um, I like Some of these are misleading, I will say that. <laughs> I feel like that was like a subconscious thing like we were just talking about, yeah. Like, yeah. and you're like, yeah. toe wow, yeah. Um, I've got uh, fart app, which <laughs> is uh, falling and running to avoid a pickle. So, oh, you know, okay. you're caught in a pickle and you eventually you fall. You fall down. Yeah, and right, get stuck there. Right, I thought that some Silicon Valley tech guy had come up with a new app for something entirely <laughs> different based on what yeah. you just said there. Okay. Yep. Um, uh, I've got Poop B. <laughs> Sense a theme here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is put Never outs. Paul's 12 years old. <laughs> yeah, yep, essentially. Put outs over fly balls, which fly is spelled with a PH. I really had to just get that. Ooh, okay. Uh, All right, a little stretch. A little stretch. Yeah. yeah. Um, Put wait, put out put outs over fly balls. Doesn't over really mean balls. anything. I was just fly. really oh, wanted to okay. put the word poop okay. in there somewhere. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is Paul Mancano. I just want to let you know we had some technical difficulties when recording this that stopped us all from hearing that final acronym. It didn't get captured on our podcast, so I'm here by myself now to reveal to you the final one. That would be Burpja. Burp GE berating the ump repeatedly for the purpose of getting ejected. I just wanted to share it all with you guys because, frankly, it was the best one. Bobby and Mark absolutely loved it, started dying of laughter. They also told me that I'm the funniest person they've ever met. Uh, at the end of the podcast, it's really a shame you can't hear it. They lifted me up on their shoulders uh, and did three cheers for Paul. Uh, they're not here to confirm it, but I promise they would otherwise. That's the final acronym. We hope you enjoyed the Mass and All Access podcast. Check us out on Twitter, Bobby underscore Blanco, at Paul Mancano, and at Mark Zuckerman, not Berg. We'll see you next time, Nats fans.